Welcome to the Never Settle Podcast. My name is Mel Clark and I am passionate about helping people realise that settling for second best is no longer an option and that everyone deserves to live the life they truly desire. It was a real pleasure meeting today's guest. It's uh, a lovely guy called Fletcher Ellingson. Fletcher really got into personal development from a really young age. He was about 10 years old and um, it was from an influential speaker at his school who talked about positivity and that sort of kick-started Fletcher's uh, love and desire for self-growth. And he was uh, an entrepreneur from a young age. He started off with a grass-cutting business and um, then he did, uh, basically he loves magic and he busked uh, magic, even included his family in the show and that led to him being um, asked to do corporate gigs. He also started a business with his family which crashed and burned and left him and the family with no money and he qualified for food stamps, he'd got a family of five and it was definitely a place that Fletcher was never ever going to be again. And from that, his resolve, him and a friend um, basically approached a, a local website company worked for them for three months and completely blasted that company in terms of revenue and sales. And he's just gone from strength to strength since then. He also talks about um, something called the rejection experiment, which I found fascinating. And it scared the hell out of most people because it's basically approaching people or situations, um, going for what you want, asking for what you want, even if it's crazy, like, you know, he's got his own TV show. He knew nothing about that, but he went and asked for it and, and now he's got it. Um, but the whole idea is not being worried about being rejected because if you don't ask, you don't get. But also the rejection, if you do get rejected, is a real empowerer and uh, strengthens your inner resolve. So Fletcher, you know, basically through his life experiences and how it all went, is now a speaker, he's a coach and um, he has a training company. And he, he basically helps people evolve their thinking to solve their biggest challenges around time and money. Um, and allows people to powerfully fulfill their own missions, which is very close to my heart because that's the work I do as well. So Fletcher, it was a real um, breath of fresh air to talk to, very engaging, very heartfelt, very family orientated, and just a really nice guy. So once again, wherever you are, um, sit back, get your cup of tea or your beer and enjoy this conversation. Well, hello, lovely listeners. Today, I have the great honor of speaking with Fletcher Ellingson. Um, Fletcher is now a speaker, coach, founder of Ellingson Enterprises, and you have a coaching and training company. And Fletcher helps people evolve their thinking to solve their biggest challenges around time, money, and people, so they can power, powerfully fulfill their mission. Um, You've got an awful lot of experience, but I also know that you had some tough times. You um, you lost a business and you also at one point were on food stamps and ended up working um, for free for a, a website company. Is that right? That is accurate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we had wonderful amb ambitions and uh, dreams of taking our business to, you know, uh, wonderful heights. And despite our best intentions, I simply did not have the knowledge needed to make that business fly. And so it crashed and burned hard. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
we can hear more about that perhaps. Um, but what I'd love and what our listeners love, Fletcher, is to learn more about you and, and certainly, obviously you're now hugely successful with your own coaching business um, and speaking uh, business. But, you know, where have you come from? How did you get into coaching? Uh, you're, out sure. in, you're out in Washington State. Um, great accent. And um, yeah, so I'd love to know more about you, Fletcher. Over to you. All right. Uh, well, let's see. My journey in personal development started when I was in elementary school, if you can believe that or not. I was reading the, a book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. I was a bit of an odd kid. Uh, I was already steeped into personal development. I don't know why. Amazing. Um, well, actually, I guess I do know why. We had a, we had a speaker who came to our elementary school. And this is such an, a neat story because it really does show how influential people can be uh, on young minds. We had a, a guy come and he gave a talk about, about the power of positive thinking, essentially. And he handed out these stickers at the end of the assembly. And this is like, again, third or fourth grade. Uh, so I'm very young. And I put that sticker on my metal bedpost um, in, my, in my bedroom. And I saw it every single day. And the sticker said, start your day with PMA, positive mental attitude. And then it said, expect something wonderful to happen. <laughs> and I saw it every single day. And for some reason, it it kind of it kind of ignited something in me and it was a desire to learn more about the brain and 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 thinking in a positive manner now i don't know how deep into it i was at in elementary school but that's where it started it was a seed that was planted and watered and nurtured and i kind of followed that trajectory um into my adult life and and here i am today wow so elementary school, how young is that? Let's see, that would have been uh, third and fourth grade. I would have been probably 10 or 11, something like that. Oh, wow, that is amazing. Um, so, okay, so you had an influence very young and, and obviously had that. So then, so then what happened? Did you do university and all of that? Did you fall into, yeah. fall into a career or did you just know exactly what you wanted to do? You know what? I was uh, an entrepreneur e even from a very young age. And so I followed that that trajectory as well. But when I was young, I had my paper route and then I had my lawn mowing route where I'd ride my my dad's 10 speed bicycle, which was way too big for me. <laughs> and uh, and one and with and then with one of my hands, I was steering the bike and with the other hand, I was pulling my lawnmower behind me up and up and down the, the, the blocks. And I was just going to people's homes and saying, hey, can I cut your grass? And pretty soon they said yes and come back next week. And so I had a lawn, a lawn mowing route. And then in high school, um, staying with the entrepreneurial vision, I started uh, a window washing business with one of my friends. And so then we began washing windows and going on the radio and doing uh, commercials for our business. And that was a fantastic opportunity. I learned so much about, you know, running your own business. And then... Um, in college, <laughs> I have a very diverse background when it comes to making money. In college, I pursued my love of magic, uh, like performing magic, close-up magic, sleight of hand and illusions. And I um, was just very passionate about it. And 
I was one of those guys you see on the street down at the market on the corner with his table and he's busting out card tricks and, you know, getting an audience to form around you. And so I did that and I just fell in love with it. And so I, uh, I, I became pretty, pretty good at it. And I started, they, people started booking me for corporate gigs. And so I, beca- I started doing that and uh, my whole family got involved. We had a big family show and, so I was, I followed my uh, dream of magic for a while and I actually still do magic today. That's something I'll, I'll always do. I don't, I don't perform like I did. I used to, but once in a while I'll perform for little uh, small venues that I, that I like. And, and then I was, then I thought, well, I want to go into the ministry. I, I was, I'd already had, always had an interest in religion and, and I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go there so I can make an impact for people. And so I got my, actually, I got my degree in biblical studies of all things. Right. And, but then uh, again, being pulled by the entrepreneurial strings, we cranked up this business. It was a, a soap making business where we manufactured all natural, high, high quality soaps, lotions, candles, lip balms. And we moved this business over to uh, a destination farm. Uh, where, which is where I now live in Washington State in a very small touristy town called Chelan, Washington. And we were selling all over the country retail, uh, wholesale and retail. But that was the and that was the business that crashed and burned that I was uh, talking about earlier. We worked our tails off. So our, fa- our, our fa- failure was not because we weren't hard workers. It was simply because I was missing some critical elements um, about how to run a business. You know, I just thought you get in there, you work hard, right? And there's a little more to business than just working hard. Mm. And so that crashed and burned ultimately had to walk away with $20,000 in credit card debt, a family of five, a mortgage, and $0 in the bank. And that was a scary time for us. Mm. And uh, so we had to dig really deep and get creative in a hurry. But and in the moment, it felt like it was the worst thing, Mel, not being able to provide for your family, not knowing how to pay your mortgage. And yeah, and like you mentioned, you know, qualifying for food stamps. And I just remember that the first time we used them was I think was the only time I just remember. And again, nothing, nothing against people who use food stamps. I mean, I'm glad that that service is there as the safety net. But I just remember getting up to the counter and handing those over and it just didn't feel good. And I just thought, I will never be in this position again. Mm. I'd made a decision right then and there. I will never be in this position again. And so a friend of mine went out and met with uh, a person who had a really neat idea that he began implementing um, in the tech world. And you'll and I'll explain it to you what our company did, and you'll recognize it right away. But I'm sure Mel, you've been on, gone online and searched for homes online. You know, you put in three bedroom, two bath, and the name of the city. You hit enter, and and all all these results come up, right? Yeah. So that's called an IDX program, and our company was one of the first companies, well, in the world to uh, begin uh coding that and and making it available to the end users which are you and me so we could search for homes online uh that technology was brand new and we began uh developing it in a way that we then took to real estate companies around uh the united states 
And uh, so we were kind of on the forefront of that technology and brought it to the marketplace. And that, that opportunity allowed me to begin speaking in front of many thousands of people and traveling around the country and coaching entrep other entrepreneurs, not just with this technology, but what I realized is that entrepreneurs all had these same issues that they were facing. And so I, be I began coaching these people, not in a coaching capacity, but I was ended up coaching them in their business and in their mindset. And I, cause I was, I was heavy into mindset at this point. And so uh, I was afforded the wonderful opportunity of just traveling around speaking, showing this technology, but also coaching people in their mindset. And what I noticed was that entrepreneurs everywhere have the exact same challenges. And so I was able to really identify what the challenges were and begin to speak to those. And, and, and I realized I'm doing a lot of, of life coaching. And because uh, would you agree, Mel, that our private lives and our professional lives, they're also intertwined? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so I began seeing these patterns and uh, realized that I had some information that could help people. And so that's that whole time that I was working in that tech program in, in the sales and marketing capacity really was setting me up for the career that I've been most passionate in my life about, which is mindset coaching. And that's what I've been doing for a number of years. And I absolutely love it. So that's how I got to where I'm at today. So how long ago was... Um... How long ago was the food stamps and how long ago? Um, so you, you started working with this other company and just as a byproduct, you started coaching just very naturally. Yeah. yeah. So what, what was the sort of time frame for all of that? Yeah. So so when I when I, that business crashed and burned, that was about 23 or 24 years ago, I think. And um, and again, that just prompted me to dig deep. Um, into mindset and and at the same time was cranking up that other that new business the tech the tech venture and uh, I traveled around for oh I don't know probably 15 years uh, around the United States speaking and uh, then about six years ago launched full-time into what I'm doing now mm. and was that scary or was it just a natural progression you know it was a it was a natural progression and it was scary because I was leaving uh, a high paying job, a high paying paycheck and was going to be completely reliant on this. And it's always I was going into the unknown again, yeah. um, but I've never shied away from going into the unknown because uh, it's always been exciting and rewarding and the growth that it that comes out of going into the unknown, right? In fact, everything that we want is always seems to be in the unknown, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and so I've, it's kind of one of those lessons that I'm familiar with now and, and I have a, a higher level of trust. Um, so is it uncomfortable and scary? Yes, but I do trust that there's gonna be something wonderful that comes out of it. And I think that's one of the, the most powerful lessons that I've received in my life is to trust. Because 
we, we don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm trusting that life is going to work out for me. It always has. Even when I was on, you know, we qualified for food stamps. I mean, some people say, well, you just said your, your business crashed and burned. How could that be life working out? Well, it's life working out because it provided an opportunity for further growth, mm. right? I, I was able to grow and learn from that. And eventually now I'm doing something that, like I just said, I think is the, the most fulfilling thing that I could possibly do in, in my life, which is I'm helping people change the way they think in order to produce outstanding results in their health, wealth, and relationships. And do you have a particular um, niche that you like to work with, or is it anyone and everyone? Yeah, so great question, because that is the, uh, frequently that's what mentor, business mentors will tell you, niche down, you know, and really find your ideal audience. And I believe that that's accurate. And I thought, my group was going to be entrepreneurs. I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs, but I also deal with physicians, attorneys, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, uh, athletes, veterans. So uh, the, I have a broad spectrum of, of clients with whom I work and still a lot of entrepreneurs. But what I realized and it has become abundantly clear is no matter what you're dealing with, our professional and personal lives, like I said, are inextricably intertwined. Yeah. So if I so if I shift my thinking around some of my areas of my personal life, it affects my professional life. And if, if my professional life is going well, it affects my home life, right? Yeah, totally. Okay. And when you started this business, were you still working um, full time? Did you run the two together or did you just go, nope, I'm starting it? Yeah, there was about a year, two years where I was um, operating them in tandem. And, uh, and then at one, uh, and then I had a neck surgery and my mom passed and there were some really critical events that happened. And my wife uh, has just been so supportive of me. Uh, I'm just so grateful for that. She really was the person who said, Fletcher, it, it's time to go do this full time uh, and trust that you have what it takes. Um, we'll, you know, we'll, 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 we'll make things work and you need to dedicate full all your time and attention to this. So she really was the one who kind of gave me a kick in the butt and, uh, and helped me cut the strings and go for it full time. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We all need somebody like that in our life, don't we? Um, yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> and you've got a, a weekly TV program that you do. Is that right? I do. Yeah. My, my wife and I do that together. She comes on and does it once or twice a month with me and just really lucky to, to have that. It's been so much fun and it's just, you know, it's just a regional show. So, but it's, goes into everyone's home who has the cable wow. so they get to see our, our show and and it's an, a great opportunity we just talk about health wealth and relationships my wife is a, a family physician so I bring the, the the positive psychology portion of the show and then and then she comes on and brings a health topic uh, it's super fun to do this with my wife uh, we just have a fun time on it and I always learn something because I I have zero knowledge about the medical field so 
what she brings is always fascinating to me. And, uh, and we're a good mix because we're talking about health, uh, you know, and then we talk about psychology and, and we answer questions on, on the show and just get a, again, um, kind of explore this concept of self-inquiry. And so how did that come about? Well, that's a good question. So um, years ago, I decided that I wanted to do something called a rejection experiment. And the reason I wanted to do this is because I realized the game that I want to play in my life, which is to uh, help people change the way they think in order to produce outstanding in, uh, outcomes in their, in, their, in their life, it was going to require something in me that was a bit scary. I had to be able to ask people for anything. I needed to uh, be able to make requests of people without being stopped by fear. And if you, I don't know if you've ever been in the sales game, um, but if you run your own business. for over 20 years. Okay, well, there you go, all right. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about? There's a, there's, there can be a fear of rejection, right? There can be, oh, I don't want to pick up and make these phone, these cold calls, or I don't want to interrupt people, or I want to upset people or offend people, or they're probably going to say no. We have all this stuff around selling, not just selling, but making requests, even in of general uh, uh, people. We're worried about offending somebody. And so I saw some TED talk, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he talked about doing something, uh, a rejection experiment as well. And I took, it was, I'm, I, I did it differently than him, but he really was a catalyst. I was like so impressed that he did this. And so what I began doing was a uh, series of rejection experiments where I, in where I would make a ridiculous and audacious request of someone that I didn't know. And the request had to make me nervous. Okay, it couldn't Give just an be. an example then, go on. Yeah, so, so, so this, so having this uh, television show was one of them. Okay. Right, so uh, I decided I wanted to have a TV show, but I didn't have any experience. I had plenty of experience speaking, but I don't know anything about that. So I just thought, what the heck? Why don't I just go ask for it? What would happen if I began asking for things that I wanted? And so I, I made a request. These people took my meeting. I pitched this idea. And then they said, this sounds interesting. Let's do it. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then, so I, you know, we've been doing it for, I think we're on our third or fourth year now or something like that. And so it's been a suit, it's been super fun, but so this rejection experiment allowed me to really do learn so much about this concept called rejection mm. and 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 so for instance but it afforded me incredible opportunities like we went down to Mazatlan one year uh, where we liked to vacation and then I was doing these rejection experiments and on the plane I was thinking well I know I'm on vacation but I still want to keep on doing my experiment so I got to do one down there in Mexico so I got off the we got off the plane we got to our resort and I decided I'm going to see if I can lead a meeting for all the salespeople down here who sell timeshares, right? <laughs> so you go to these resorts and they, and they have all these people who are selling the timeshares. And yeah. I thought, let me, let me see if I can go do a meeting here. Now there's no reason they would let me do that. They don't know me from Adam. I don't speak Spanish, but I found the 
the manager and I said, Hey Mario, can I speak with you for a few minutes? And, and we had a nice chat and, you know, five minutes stretched into 10, 10 into 15, 15 to 20. And at the end of the meeting, Mario said, I'd like you to come and lead our sales meeting on Wednesday morning. And in fact, I'm going to make it mandatory that everybody is here. And so Wednesday morning came and 50 of his agents were there and here I, uh, I'm leading uh, the sales meeting and doing an inspirational <laughs> talk to, to this group of people down in Mexico, right? Then what happened was they found out my wife is a family physician and they said, hey, do you think that there's any chance she'd be willing to come back one morning and talk to us about just creating health and a, a higher level of health and vitality in, your, in our lives? And so she went back. And so what happens is when we make requests, that people think would we, we would receive a no to, we frequently get surprised and they say yes. And I'll give you just one more example because this one really is like ridiculous and audacious. So I was walking down the road in California, we were visiting our in-laws. And see, one of the rules is that for this rejection experiment is the, the request that I make, like I said, they have to make me really nervous. It can't just be an easy ask, okay? And I can't do it to impress anybody. So I can't say like to my friend, like, hey, I watch, I'm going to go ask this, make this crazy request. It has to be by myself. So I'm not trying to impress anybody. I really have to be nervous. Like I don't want to do it. And so I'm walking down the road on this beautiful sunny morning in Southern California. And I'm going past this house on my left. And I notice that their garage door is open and inside there's a ping pong table and uh, a table tennis uh, table. And I, and I thought to myself, oh no, don't, no, don't do this one. This one's too scary. But the, I had already had the thought, so I knew I had to do it. So, cause I love to play ping pong. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna do it. So I, I decided to walk up to their front door, which again was scary because I had to cross somebody's physical property boundary, right? So I had to walk up there and knock on the door and uh, the dog was barking. I could hear the dog barking and then some people shuffling around and someone came to the door and it was a, uh, it was a woman and she said, hello, can I help you? And I said, yeah. I said, Hey, my name is Fletcher. I live in Washington state. I was just walking by. So I saw that you had a ping pong table there. I was wondering if anybody in your family would be up for a game of ping pong this morning with me. <laughs> and so. I was saying you and, could play ping pong. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so she said the she said the same thing that almost everybody says when I first make one of these ridiculous requests. She said, what? And I said, yeah, my name is Fletcher I'm from Washington State. I was wondering if you guys were up for a game of ping pong. And she paused and said, do we know you? I said, no, you don't know me. I'm from Washington State up here visiting my in-laws. Just wanted to see if anyone wanted to play ping pong. She says, hold on a second. She closes the door. I hear some muffled voices. And then a few seconds later, a gentleman appears at the door. He's like, uh, can I help you? <laughs> I said, yeah, my name is Fletcher. I went through the whole spiel again, right? And same thing, he said, we don't know you? I was like, nope, I just looking for a game of ping pong. And then he says, hold on a second. He shuts the door. 
<laughs> hear some more muffled voices. And then a few seconds later, their son, their teenage son opens the door. He says, hey, my dad says you're looking for someone to play ping pong with. And I said, yeah, do you want to play some ping pong? He says, sure, let's go. And so we went out and played ping pong, had a couple of games. He probably beat me. But after a couple of games, I was like, hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, have a good day. And I went on my way. But the, the whole thing is like, that's weird. Yeah. You know, and they, I thought for sure that they were going to say no. I thought who for sure. Weirdo? Yeah. Who is this? Weirdo? Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but they didn't say no. They said yes. Now, Mel, I took this same way of being, uh, will, being willing to ask, make big requests. And it's what allowed me actually to begin creating partnerships with billion dollar companies in our country. They didn't know me from Adam, but I called. And so, I mean, people would say, what, you got a contract with what, Better Homes and Gardens? Or how did you do that? Uh, I picked up the phone and I asked for a meeting. So what this experience taught me was that I can ask for anything. The worst that's going to happen is that they're going to say no. Yeah. And, the, and the, one of the best things that could happen is they can say yes. And then the adventure begins. Wow. So, so when you pick up the phone to reach out to these big corporations or whatever, what is yes. it you're actually asking the meeting for? What is it that you want to do with them? Yeah. So back then it was, you know, to, to take a look at this uh, technology that we had, right. And oh, have yeah. a sit down. Yeah. Now, what I'm asking people to do is uh, let's have a conversation about client and employee retention. Let's have a conversation about, about taking your business from, from where it is now to where you want it to go. Right. Let's have a conversation about what it would look like if the company culture were and a company morale were such that your people loved to be there they were inspired to be there and they had a can-do attitude like what you see i believe there's all this talk about company culture well i believe that mindset is the number one differentiator when it comes to company culture and client and employee retention it's all comes back to mindset but the thing is most, most of us don't understand how we actually even think. We don't, I mean, I mean, we don't even like, if I, if I, if I say to a client, like, do you think you can change the way you think in order to produce different outcomes? It's a real, it's a real uh, stopping uh, point for them because they're like, well, I'm not even sure how I think. Right. Or some people think, oh yeah, I can change the way I think. And then they're like, wait a second, how, how do I think? How, oh, yeah, actually, let's have a conversation about how I think, and then I can, then I can maybe change it. So this, con this, this concept of changing the way we think is a really complex conversation because none of us have ever really understood how it is we form thoughts. We think that oftentimes that the thoughts that we're thinking are, we thought them, when in reality, many of our thoughts just show up without our permission, consent, or approval. And then we pay attention to them and think, oh man, 
I must have thought that. When in fact, they just showed up. So what would it look like? What could life look like if we were in charge of the thinking? If the thoughts that we thought were actually in alignment with what we wanted and we could produce our thoughts and our feelings on demand. That's an exciting uh, uh, idea because our thoughts produce our outcomes. Would you, I mean, would you agree with that? Or the way we think has something to do with the outcomes that we're producing. Sure. Yeah. So if we can become more intentional about what we're thinking, that might really affect the trajectory of our outcomes. So is that the sort of main ethos around how you coach people? It is. Yes. So what I do is I, yeah, I was going to say, how do you do that then? Yeah. So I, I literally help people change the way they think. And what that means is this, they begin having thoughts that they previously have not thought. Then that's radical. Right. And so, cause, and that's what I'm about. I'm about helping people create radical results in their life. So if we want radical results, we have to do something radical, which is change the way we think so that we're literally beginning to think thoughts that we haven't thought before. Mm. And, and so see, people say, well, how do you do that? Well, it's an a, it's a in-depth conversation. I mean, I work with people over 12 months and we start at the very beginning about so there's a lot of science that we're, we're looking at, right? And there were, there's a lot of uh, psychology um, and a lot of self-inquiry. And we're beginning to identify our current patterns of thinking, first of all, so that we, we can, and we ask this question, does this current way of thinking about this thing in my life, does it serve me? And we, we, we throw out all the labels of good, bad, right, and wrong. I'm not a fan of those. The main question we can we ask ourselves is this, this line of thinking that I have about my health or my fitness or my finances or my marriage or my career, this line of thinking that I have about that, does it serve me or not? Does it, does it help me move forward or does it hold me back? So we literally get really curious about the thoughts that we're currently thinking and then we can decide, do those serve me or not? Because if they don't serve me, we're going to show, I, I then show my clients how to set up a new line of thinking to replace that. Um, and that way we can begin changing our focus. We can direct our focus onto this new way of thinking, because what I, I'm a big proponent of is what we focus on, we feel. And what we focus on consistently expands, it, it grows. And ultimately, that becomes our point of attraction. So we begin attracting more of what we're focused on. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfectly, yeah. But it's a practice. And so my curriculum is called the practice of feeling good. Because I believe that most of us in life are practiced at feeling pretty terrible. Yeah. We feel insecure. We feel frightened. We feel uncertain. We feel disconnected. We feel upset, depressed. We feel all these things. So, but we're very practiced at that. We don't have to even think about it. We can, we can, we, many of us, we wake up and we're already in a funk, right? Cause we're practiced at it. This is the practice of feeling good. And, and when I say feeling good, Mel, what I mean is feeling connected, feeling secure, feeling inspired, 
feeling grateful, right? Feeling fulfilled, feeling eager, feeling enthusiastic. Because when we are, when we have these ways of feeling, it determines the actions that we take. And then the actions, of course, determine our results. So it all starts with mindset. How long, say if you were, and you had a new client and they were particularly negative and, and had been in this funk for, say, 40 years or whatever, how long would you expect it to take for them to be able to turn that around? Yeah, great question. So, um, so my again, my curriculum is, is a 12-month a curriculum. And in that 12 months, I firmly believe, and, and by the way, you'll start seeing, I mean, my clients start seeing results from the first session. It's not uncommon that they're like, whoa, this was powerful. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for our next session. Um, and I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, let's take something extreme. Let's take people, because uh, I used to, my wife and I used to teach this uh, seminar or lead this seminar called Diabetes Smackdown, the ultimate solution. And this, this, uh, this conference or seminar, excuse me, the seminar was designed for people who were either dealing with type two diabetes or who were at risk for type two diabetes. And so these people who were in attendance, many of them have tried everything. They have tried everything and are facing amputation. They're facing heart disease. They're facing, uh, um, some of them are massively depressed. They're on uh, umpteen uh, types of pills and medications. And we weren't there to tell them how to exercise or how to eat. What we were there to do was to answer this particular question that almost all of them have, which is this. I don't know how I got here. And I don't know why I don't do what I know I should be doing. Mm. I don't know why I can't get myself to do the things I know I should be doing. Mm, that's massive, isn't it? That's massive for so many people. Yes, mm. yes, right? And so as a result of them going through this, this course and then, and then they went on and did some um, <clears throat> uh, months of coaching with me, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm thinking of these participants, these three women particularly, all had depression, all uh, had or were at risk for type two diabetes, uh, all on medications at the end of working with me, all three of them had lost a ton of weight, had their depression was gone. They had reduced the number of medications significantly. And all three of them finished their first ever triathlon where they had to swim, bike and run. And that wasn't even something that was, remotely on their radar none of them ever thought oh yeah i want to do a triathlon yeah. no this came as a result of them massively shifting their psychology and beginning to think differently about their lives and what was possible they literally began thinking new thoughts and those thoughts led to a different way of feeling and that different way of feeling led to different actions and therefore they had these incredible radical outcomes that sounds and amazing. that's what's possible yeah absolutely yeah um, I'm, I'm interested about the uh the work stuff you said about um getting more engaged staff and uh, employees and stuff because yes. I, I do something similar so I'm, I'm interested to know what how you approach that because 
I'm a coach anyway, in terms of life purpose, relationships, career. I'm also part of something else called Ultimate Contribution, which is, um, it's a, an eight call pathway, basically. And it's all about, you can do it on an individual level, but you also do it, we're doing it within businesses. And it's about business alignment for the leaders. So as businesses grow, as you probably already know this, you know, there's a, there can be a disconnect. And with new leaders that come in, different personalities, different sets of values, not not aligned to what the original business values and vision and mission was. So it all needs to be realigned again. So the work we do is to do that from the leaders down. Mm. Um, and when a business becomes very clear on its values and its vision and its mission, the people that work for that business, they're either, some of them are going to go because obviously it doesn't suit. Um, but the ones that are wedded to that and believe in that will more likely be loyal and stay rather than being recruited off for better money or, or whatever. Um, so it's exactly, it's, it's the same thing as you. It's about decreasing staff attrition and, you know, improving the, the employee experience and also um, improving the client experience, et cetera, et cetera. So, but that's through sort of core values, vision and mission, very much so, and goals and strategies. So are you approaching businesses in the same way that you've just talked about in terms of changing thoughts? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in fact, uh, and what I really love is the oppor opportunity when, when a company gives me the opportunity to work directly with their employees, with their teams. Yeah. Because what we do is uh, we begin implementing just kind of what I was telling you about we there are some basic distinctions that we introduce to them so that the so, so 